in the unseen zones not seen in between those without flesh or bone roam in the void they avoid all detection interdimensional beings all connected angels and demons from spiritual realms engaged in a battle from heaven to hell they dwell all around us and even inside some of those that invite what they call spirit guides enticed by Ouija boards they seek guidance and think there's a secret to be enlightened little do they know what they just invited that demonic presence is just resided in the days of Noah all kinds of hybrids and portrayed in the earth but most were silent wiped out by the flood all these tyrants bloodlines polluted by these ancient giants the men of renowned heroes of old have now returned let the truth be told they ran to disguises thought and ISIS are now aliens come to invite us and guide us the fruit is ripened it's so inviting evolved to a god enlightened and don't be frightened but I must ask why their ideas seem aligned with Lucifer's lies search as a warning to anyone searching demonic minions are lurking and virtually everywhere posing as anything stalking their prey with original sin this song serves as a warning to anyone searching demonic minions are lurking and virtually everywhere posing as anything stalking their prey with original sin the coincidence that all these incidents represent all the same thing the serpent said look at genesis chapter 3 verse 6 it depicts exactly the same conflict this trick inflicted by the sick and wicked Invented, presented like a light transcendent But it's dark demented It just pretended Depending on beliefs, what you just expected See how a rose has thorns and thistles They hide among the truth to avoid the signal They muddy the water with disinformation Persuading so many without a foundation Some people like to listen to Ike and Sitchin Jordan Maxwell and Tessarian It seems these people are on the same mission Deny what's Christian, seek secret wisdom Tied to the lies in the movie zeitgeist Lost, they deny the existence of Christ I defy you to find any truth to the logic Go ahead, just rewind it and pause it Study their sources, they're all Masonic A little Illuminati seem to be behind it They know the public will buy any fraud That tries to deny the existence of God search as a warning to anyone searching Demonic minions are lurking and virtually everywhere Posing as anything, stalking their prey with original Sin. This song serves as a warning to anyone searching. Demonic minions are lurking, they're virtually everywhere, posing as anything, stocking that prey with original sin. This is the Reality Radio Network on Telstar 5 Transponder 5 and on the internet at realityradionetwork.com. Mother's cry calls the rivers run high 
a sign that we were moving into the end times, that surely uh, if men were going to begin using sciences now to blend animals with humans and the whole transhumanist argument, that this had to be a sign of the end times. And what I found startling about it was that, you know, here's a guy who lives on the edge of the news, and yet he wasn't even familiar with what I was writing about back then. Of course, very few people were, but that 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 struck me as so unusual that I, for various reasons I won't go into now, I, I took it upon myself an interest in studying this new field of transgenics, which of course today is is even more sophisticated synthetic biology, uh, uh, nanotechnology, all of these different emerging ologies, if you will, that have been uh, warmly embraced by. Uh, different people, including the transhumanist movement, as uh, hopefully holding for them the holy grail to the next step in human evolution so that we can all become gods. And But uh, what I had wanted to do, Steve, I had uh, in researching these sciences, I wanted to find out what some of these researchers were saying, what they were postulating about uh, either the potential good or bad, uh, the pros and cons of what some of that science might um, unleash upon humanity in the future, and I was having a terrible time, you know, and I, and I kept doing this research stuff. The Internet was just barely invented at the time, and I kept doing these searches and was going to the library, and I was trying to find stories, uh, something that would tell me what, you know, what might be the result of blending animals and humans, and uh, I couldn't find anything in the in the science models, but I kept coming across this extraordinary story uh, supposedly mythology, but it was something that leapt off the pages of ancient history at me that this had been done, done once before. There was actually a record. And the longer I looked at this record of these so-called gods, or if you want to call them uh, angels or watchers or, or advanced scientists or whatever you want to call them, what they had done was identical to what we were doing now. And this struck me as extraordinary. And, of course, the moral story behind what had happened in ancient mythology was that it led to chaos. And I thought, you know, there there could be a record here already recorded in Earth's history that we've done this once before, or somebody done this once before, and the results were not positive. And, of course, the, the old story was, you know, these gods. They came down, they mingled their species with the human race, uh, and for some reason... In order for them to extend themselves, now in the Bible, of course, it talks about this in Genesis 6. It also refers to the watchers in Daniel, uh, other places. In the New Testament, I believe that Peter and Jude both uh, are making uh, uh, direct quotes from the book of Enoch, who also told this story about these beings who came down. And, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about this a little bit later, but the first thing that struck me as odd was why would these beings have needed to blend these various species in order to create a pathway, uh, something where they could leave their estate, as Peter and Jude and Enoch say and Genesis, and, and, and they found that women, and Enoch says, of course, they also used animals. And other books, by the way, uh, I think you and I have talked about before, Jasher 418. Yes, we have. Uh, huh? Yes, we have. Yeah, various ancient texts which told this story about these beings using animals, plants. By the way, an interesting story uh, last week um, out of uh, Oxford University, one of not and not Nick Bostrom, but another professor out of Oxford University, talking about uh, in the near future we might also be able to blend ourselves with plants in order to create uh, our own 
photosynthesis and, and whatever, but that but that this had been done once before, and that it had brought upon earth judgment. Of course, these sacred books say the judgment of God. Now, how this brought me to ufology, I started looking at these ancient records, but surprisingly, uh, my research into these stories of human and animal DNA harvesting um, took this turn when I started coming across a related phenomenon that was occurring now, a contemporary phenomenon called alien abduction. And I found that the, the best researchers into alien abduction were documenting something identical to what the ancients had done, the removal, the harvesting of human and animal DNA in these UFO flap areas, what Jacques Vallée, a secular researcher and one of the best, called the harvesting of vital energy, uh, DNA, associated with three-dimensional life forms, something that he thought, and many others have thought, was being required by whoever these beings were as a kind of construct material for achieving incarnation, uh, or at least migration, if you will, from their dimension into ours. And so, Steve, whether I was, whether I was looking at ancient history, comparative mythology, uh, alien abduction, biblical text, sacred text, I kept finding this, this universal testimony that from the beginning of time, some type of unknown superpower uh, had an interest in collecting and blending Earth species, not just human, but animal. You go to bed one night, you wake up the next morning, Skippy the horse is laying out in the field, and parts of its anatomy have been removed with laser-like precision, harvested for some reason. And down through time, these takers of DNA were known as Zeus, Hades, Watchers, according to the Book of Enoch, and Enoch, too, in the seventh chapter of the Book of Enoch talks about how this also included uh, animals. So, first of all, um, how I got involved in this was starting out in the study of emerging fields of science, not being able to find models that might tell me the good or bad of where the blending of these species, transgenic creations, that now we're creating all over the world, by the way, and not just the not just the stories that people know about, where in the United Kingdom and in Australia, and also here in the United States, in privately funded laboratories where we're creating mice with human brains and animal human chimeras and all this stuff for research purposes, but also, Steve, as you know, offshore Latin America, places like that. And this was confirmed to me um, by the insider that I have at the world's largest uh, genetic modification company, which I won't name, um, who said that when I was talking about uh, transgenic uh, plant life and uh, genetically modified crops, that in his opinion I was barking up the wrong tree, at least as it compared to the real genetic modification experiments that were going on, and he told me specifically, and of, of course this is privately being funded secretly being funded, U.S. tax dollars, isn't that astonishing, yep. going uh, through black op budgets, through safe op budgets, to fund some of this research that's being done, not in this country, but in other countries, maybe in this country too, but specifically his reference to another place in Latin America, a military contracted situation, and, 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 and he said specifically, and keep in mind, this guy owns the patent some of the genetically modified crops that are owned by this large corporation, he invented them. And, and uh, he's very believable and told me that uh, here in Latin America that the, the, the idea of raising embryonic uh, and then destroying them at 14 days, human-animal embryos is something they were passed a long time ago. These things are at full maturity, and they have specific reasons behind why they're making them. But the, anyway, the bottom line is, 
all of this research uh, was so interesting to start out studying modern biotech, especially transgenics, and then to find this ancient history about what the gods had done. And then later, if you include alien abduction phenomenon, perhaps nonstop through history, this record of uh, ultra-terrestrials, unknown intelligences, cross-blending species, and at least in some records for the purposes of incarnating themselves. And Steve, that brings up this very um, spooky question then. Um, just who or what is it that's being incarnated or housed uh, in these bodies? Are these fallen angels? Are these demons? What, and why? Are these aliens? Are these Heiser's lions? I mean, I think people have to consider, regardless of worldview, that from Jacques Vallée to Dr. John Mack to Dr. John Keel to Dr. Ivy E. Thomas, that the evidentiary records suggest that this activity is equivalent to biblical demonology, that we're talking about the same beings as are identified in the Bible as demons. Well, right, and, and I think that's the situation because... The fascinating thing, Tom, is people believe that we're going to ultimately be saved from ourselves by our creators, uh, panspermia, whether we're intergalactic, uh, uh, just a garbage dump. The thing is, is that the central theme through all of history in all the different cultures I've studied, which are thousands uh, doing my research, you cannot get away from it. And now with the absolute, uh, and I, I want to ask you real quickly, you've been carrying on Raiders News Update, your your the whole uh, uh, morphing, if you will, of the Catholic Church's position on aliens. And I think you should touch on that briefly, because where in times past they would have taken the position, position that these are demons. Now there's a big transform taking place where they may be good, they may be coming to help us, and they may not need right. salvation. Touch on that if you would. All right, I will. Well, well, first of all, let's say that there's no doubt that dark spirits could be producing this UFO phenomenon, regardless of what the Vatican or anybody else has to say, and the alien phenomenon, for their own reasons. Um, the, these religious institutions tend to look at things, well, I do too, I guess, and you do too, I guess, but in particular, they are defenders of the faith, and they look at this stuff from a theological perspective. And so what I would say to these people that are listening to this show that might even be involved in this angle, the the theology of transmogrification uh, deals with the fact that spirits can take form, and it indicates that there is an ability by demons to be able to manipulate energy, matter. The whole German term poltergeist, uh, of these unexplained noises. You watch these television shows right now where they're going into these haunted locations, and on a few occasions they're picking up uh, film, you know, something being slung across the room or whatever. Um, so first of all, theologically, we know that demons can actually cause audible vibrations, if you will. They have the ability to make physical contact with tangible material, and that being true, demons might be the ones that's producing this phenomenon known as unidentified, fly, uh, unidentified flying objects or, uh, or, or whatever, and doing this by manipulating energy. So these religious leaders need to be careful when they start pointing to any of this as being uh, evidence that there is this benevolent unknown that's making contact. Secondly, there are theologians who disagree with this premise from the Vatican and others, or from at least some of the talking heads from the Vatican's, that UFOs might be used to actually deceive mankind. Uh, first of all, concerning the argument of human origins, 
to draw us away from our faith. They say that this won't be a challenge to our faith, but Steve, you know, there's this ageless question about where did we come from? And like you kind of hinted at a minute ago, I mean, if people believe that these UFO knots are just advanced extraterrestrials that have been scurrying around as spaceships for eons, and that these same beings visited the Earth in ancient days, and they tinkered with hominid DNA, this is where part of this is going, this whole uh, galactic Jesus seed panspermia idea that that we were either seeded by the, uh, maybe we can get into that Jesus seed thing in a moment, but that we were either seeded by life from, from elsewhere, or these things came down. They they took early primates, they tinkered with their DNA, they upgraded them according to Zachariah Sitchin and others, um, and, uh, and, and, and created out of those early life forms a more sophisticated life form, Homo sapiens sapiens. If that's the case, uh, that would obliterate, in my opinion, the Judeo-Christian doctrine uh, concerning the age of the earth and also biblical creation. Uh, in other words, people would be led to believe that we are nothing more than an alien zoology program or a dump station or whatever it was you referred to. You said home to right. um, thirdly, there are also good scholars who believe that this could be part of an end times delusion, a prophetic delusion, and that we're walking into it right now with our eyes wide closed. Because according to the Bible, the end times are going to be accompanied by fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Uh, people's hearts failing them for fear, for seeing those things that are coming upon the earth. Uh, the book of Second Thessalonians even says that when the Antichrist is revealed, he's going to be accompanied by lying wonders. And, 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 and people, some people believe that these verses are talking about UFOs and the whole related phenomenon being used to introduce the man of sin <clears throat> during the Great Tribulation. I mean, wouldn't the world react in amazement and shock and paralysis, Steve, to the sudden arrival of an intergalactic wise man who was claiming to be the Messiah? And, and Steve, <clears throat> this deception, I think, has already begun. It's playing out right now, and it's and it's partly in this bid to warm up the world's religious communities to the idea that these beings will be or are uh, our space brothers. Uh, and and furthermore, have you noted they're saying they may be closer to God than we are, uh, higher to God, closer to God than we are. And some of that commentary also coming from the Vatican lately. Yeah. Um, you might know that Berkeley just finished a broad survey of religious um, people representing uh, seven of the most popular faiths, including Roman Catholicism as well as evangelical Christianity. And here's the shocker, Steve, and you might already be aware of this. It only came out about five days ago, though. Something uh, more than 80% of the people, and this was a fairly broad in the thousands or at least more than 1,500, something like that, uh, persons handpicked, uh, but more than 80% of them, religious people, believe that not only will the discovery of extraterrestrial intelligence not challenge their faith in God, but these uh, they say they actually anticipate the discovery uh, eagerly. Can't wait, if you will, to get hooked up with E.T. And one of the things I noticed about this Berkeley press release that's, that stood out to me was part of the wording of it. And anybody can go and just look this up at Google and read it for yourself. But notice this wording in their press release that to me is so subliminal, uh, where they were asking uh, if 
ETI would destroy our religious beliefs. Uh, with confirmation of the existence of an extraterrestrial intelligent civilization so rock the adherence to Earth's religious traditions that their belief systems would confront a crisis, if not collapse altogether. And, and here was the interesting thing, and I'm quoting this from their press release. Listen to this. Are religious people so narrow-minded, so Earth-centric, and so anthropocentric that they would be shocked to realize that we share our universe with other beings who are our equals, if not superiors, in quote. Um, what got me about that is this is this is supposed to be an unbiased religious survey, but to use this kind of language, are religious people so narrow-minded that they would be shocked? Right away, I think, would skew some of the answers to this, because people don't want to say, that they're narrow-minded, obviously. And, and, it, and it, the bottom line, Steve, is it appears that there is an intentional effort right now on the part of academia, on the part of religious quarters, um, this, this to warm us up for the inevitable official disclosure. This Berkeley report, just published last week, it went on to say this. Can I quote this? Absolutely. said, and now, by the way, this was conducted by... Um, the, one of the religious, um, a priest, one of the religious figures at the Berkeley Institute. Um, <clears throat> here's what they, here's what he concluded. Quote, instead of thrusting Christians into doubt and confusion, the discovery of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe would more likely deepen an appreciation of God's handiwork, end quote. Now listen to this. The presence of aliens, quote, would at most widen the scope of one's understanding of creation and create some puzzles for how Christians understand the work of salvation. End quote. Listen to that last part. It would change, it would create puzzles for how Christians understand the work of salvation. So, there it is, Steve. When we Christians are brought face-to-face with the reality of E.T., we are going to need to rethink our ideas about salvation. Well, and that's the whole seed, uh, if, 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 if to be planted, the seed of doubt. Because, again, narrow-minded. I would say, Tom, you and I are two of the most non-narrow-minded Christians in the <laughs> world of evangelical uh, authorship and also in taking on this stuff. It's fascinating, isn't it? The very people that have denied the existence of the supernatural, on one hand, have spent so much effort and all of their belittling of anyone who would even deal with UFOs, aliens, angels, demons, etc., now are ready to embrace them to put down the very people that have been telling them all along this stuff is real, i.e. the Christians. It is a not only a, oh, good night, a dialectic, but it's a flip-flop, it's a pancake dialectic, and talk about horrors, I would consider that not only, uh, uh, I would call it a badgering belittlement of faith at the expense of these guys basically saying, well, we used to not believe this, but now we can basically prove that there is no God. This has got to be the ultimate deception that Jesus spoke of, don't you think? Oh, well, absolutely, <laughs> Steve. I mean, me. look, there's nothing, zero, nada, <laughs> more centrally important to the doctrine of Christianity than salvation. Absolutely. And when they say that this is going to cause a, a salvation and how you secure salvation, when they say that this is going to create some puzzles for how Christians understand the work of salvation, 
they're literally saying we have to reconsider the doctrine of Christianity that salvation is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what they're saying. Absolutely. It's a, it's a literal attack on the lordship and on the personhood of Jesus. Because you mentioned moments ago the Jesus seed. And it's stated by the aviary uh, that they've already got supposedly stones like the Dropa discs or, or discs, bronze discs that show a video form of uh, them uh, creating Jesus and that that was something they put into the thought stream of humanity. In other words, taking away from the entire biblical presentation and making it the alien overlords giving us a savior who's one of them. Well, so there you go. I mean, here we have our own religious leaders now <coughs> telling us that contact with extraterrestrials may mean redefining how one comes to salvation. And who better to show us the right way to salvation than these uh, exalted beings who are closer to God than we are anyway, according to these folks. And so they, the, them, the aliens, should know better than we do about how to get to God. Of course, <clears throat> the Vatican uh, has been at the, the forefront of this lately, uh, this conversation on a lot of different levels. I remember being on your show, Steve, uh, a few couple of years back or three years back. I might have been as far back as 2005. And you might remember this in, in that I said that I had been told by sources that I believe to be entirely reliable and still do. That the, and, and at that time, we hadn't heard nothing like this in a long time, that the Vatican would be a trigger towards disclosure. In other yes, words, that because that. of their political power and also their influence over a vast uh, percentage of the earth's uh, faithful uh, religious people, uh, that they would that we would know when we were getting close to official disclosure. Whenever the Vatican started releasing a series of of uh, theological statements, if you will, to warm us up to this whole idea. Um, that the aliens are coming. And so, uh, most recently, of course, uh, Vatican astronomer Father Jose Gabriel Funes, not counting this article that was just done by uh, Berkeley uh, and from their priest, but this whole thing with Father uh, Funes, his interview with the Vatican newspaper, you know, a month ago or a month and a half ago, saying that we're now at a certain possibility. And I love, I mean, that language had to be intentional, a certain possibility of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe, and that the notion of that would not contradict our faith or the authority of the church. Those statements by Funes were the, the most recent at that time, at least in a string of comments by Vatican astronomers over the last few years, confirming a belief now. You said they started out saying, you know, these things, they're, they're, first of all, this is either just psychosis or this is demonic, it's whatever. Now all of a sudden we're being told that... <clears throat> that uh, in the very near future we are going to be put in contact, or at least it's more likely than not. That's the way they phrase that, contact with alien life and, and not just microorganisms on Mars from the Mars lander. They're talking about intelligent life forms and that this discovery is not going to unhinge the Catholic doctrine of Christ. Now, you might also recall, after we did that show, I think, I'm sure it was in 2005, early 2005, uh, in which I had been told there, that, that the next thing we could expect would be commentary coming forth from the Vatican. Do you remember that? Absolutely. And, and it was something like three, four months later, uh, Vatican astronomer Guy Coltonomalco 
comes out with his 50-page booklet, Intelligent Life in the Universe, and it makes news everywhere, in which he concluded that the chances are better now than not, that mankind is facing a future discovery of intelligence, extraterrestrial intelligence, and that this would be compatible to the Christian faith. Now, seven years or so before that, Monsignor Caroldo Balducci, you remember him? Absolutely. He, he made similar news, but he went even further. He said, and this was... This was, man, this was a dec- more than a decade ago. He said that ETs were already interacting with the Earth. He admitted it. said that he knew this to be a fact from his position, his high position in the Vatican. He also said the Vatican's leaders were aware of it and in some cases might even be interacting with it. And then before him in the 90s, uh, you had uh, Father Malachi Martin. And uh, he, as much as came out on uh, Coast to Coast, which you did last night, and I realize you're very tired today, Steve, so thanks for hosting me on your show tonight. Oh, you're welcome. But um, uh, Art, uh, Art Bell asked him, you know, all that whole question about Mount Graham Observatory and why is the Vatican so deeply invested in the study of deep space, and he said because they know what's approaching us and that it could be a very... Uh, great importance in the next five to ten years. Well, this year his ten-year timeline elapsed. And uh, But more importantly, if you go back even further into what Malachi Martin was saying, and this is not going to be a, a show about Malachi Martin, but this just happened to come to me, you know, he was already talking about spokespersons for the Vatican and how they might handle some of this information that was coming forward and how it might also be, you remember how it might be involved with the New World Order. Uh, and I have to remind people that uh, during that part of his life, uh, Malachi Martin wasn't residing in a rectory or a seminary or some other uh, typical uh, location for a, a Catholic uh, cleric. Uh, in the 60s, he had left his post as an official in the Vatican because he was deeply troubled by what he called the wholesale, and he wrote this in his books, what he called the wholesale, this goes back now to, to what's going on with, with a lot of this disclosure from the Vatican right now, and one of the things he was concerned about, he said the wholesale alteration, alteration of virtually every Catholic over the past three decades, he said that in the 90s, he wrote that in his book, Windswept House. Did you ever read that book? Yes, I did. In which he was depicting these political religious uh, persons inside the Vatican, uh, highly placed church officials within the Vatican, who were actually seeking to steer the Roman Catholic Church and its faithful into a new world order. I mean, what an astonishing thing. And his book became a bestseller. He was called an eminent theologian by the New York Times when they interviewed him some many years ago on that book. But, but he actually depicted the efforts of deeply entrenched but disloyal cardinals who were working feverishly, he said, to subvert the Pope, the Church, the followers of the Church. And he said these people had no reluctance to using murder, to using blackmail. But he went further than that. He said also heavily involved in Satanism. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And his disclosure about, you know, like the Black Mass that was held in the 60s in Charlton, uh, South Carolina, by these people. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I, 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 I have gone... At length into this stuff, and and I, by the way, when Father Malachi Martin was on Art Bell the last time, he was aware that his life was in jeopardy, and immediately when uh, I had gotten information that obviously he had, quote, passed away, I said that he was murdered, and the uneasiness that he was on that, that's the classic, I believe, interview of, uh, one of the classic interviews of Art's career, and it is so pertinent to what we're saying, because what I don't think uh, people may be grasping, 
is the um, continuity between Satanism, UFOs, deception, the putting down of Jesus, the attack on the faithful, the, the uh, glee at getting Christians typed as uh, small-minded, narrow-minded bigots who are responsible for all the world's evils. Malachi Martin was saying, look, there is a shift taking place. This shift is going to cause a total and, and, and uh, what would you say, a total abrogation of the faith of the uh, fathers and the faithful into some form of a new world uh, theology, or forgive me, Tom, probably a better word would be demonology. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, he was a member of the Pontifical Biblical Institute. Who was Who was more positioned? to have hands-on knowledge, but here he was, he was a man, he, he, this, this was a man of true conscience. And uh, uh, he, he did not lie, I mean, he intentionally left the Vatican. He gave up what most people would never give up, because he believed that the Pope was surrounded by people in clerical garb who didn't possess the Catholic faith, but that they were working, not just... Uh, in Satanism, but but the whole Illuminati, if you will. I mean, foundations, organizations, international groups, financial international institutions, governments, uh, academia, and uh, in order to bring about a new a new world order, um, and that the, and that this and that this study of deep space and what we knew is approaching us, and that might be manifested within a decade, which just ran out this year, that that this was something that they were aware of, and they knew that it might be of great importance. So the question, Steve, to get back on track, if ET life is something that Vatican officials have been privately considering for a long time, why speak of it so openly now? This is this is a historically precedent-setting situation. And I, I believe it could be viewed as a careful doctrinal unveiling, if you will, over the last 24 to 30 months. Uh, a deliberate effort by church officials to warm up their laity to eat the uh, disclosure through these official church publications um, in an attempt to soften the blow to whatever um, towards uh, official disclosure, but to interpret it in a way that these beings can be embraced as being of God, godly, closer to God than we are. Um, and, and so, I know we don't have a whole lot of time, so let me keep going. I, want, I would like to warn church leaders who may be intentionally or unintentionally reading all of this and then pointing their followers or encouraging their followers uh, to look forward with anticipation to our coming encounter with these godly alien intelligences that much of the historical record about these beings, most of the historical record about these beings, not just from a Christian point of view, but from, from the best secular researchers, does not point to things that appear to be godly. It points to things that appear to be malevolent, demonic. Tom, you, 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 you need to know that in, uh, someone just sent me uh, a heads up on the newest web bots, which is predictive computer linguistic software, that uh, you'll find this interesting. This is just hot news that the body parts and that people will start to see, five out of six people will start to see aerial and alien phenomenon in this coming summer and that the return to people disappearing and mangled body parts being found, body fluids being taken. doesn't sound like they're here, uh, forgive me, for a picnic to benefit us. It sounds like they're coming for a picnic and we're, guess what, we're uh, table scraps. 
Hey, I'm not Steve, kidding you. This is the whole point. There are volumes of information down through time that connect aliens with that very kind of, uh, of demonic activity. For instance, these whole ancient records about the incubus and the succubus. Right. And their uh, collecting of human sperm and, and, and body fluids. These night visitors that would come. And, and, and then they would use that to impregnate these female hosts. I mean, isn't this identical? Have you ever done that study into the incubus and succubus? Identical yes. to the testimonies of those who uh, claim alien abduction phenomenon. Another example, you look at this, look at the medieval stories about the devil's mark. Um, uh, are you familiar with Dr. Gregory Little? No. Well, he wrote a book called Grand Illusions. He's a psychologist. He's very interested in doing this uh, a study, kind of like Dr. John Mack was, a study into people who were being abducted. Uh, but he wrote how, according to ancient beliefs, the devil's mark uh, would appear on people after being visited by these night phantoms. Um, uh, and, and, and the belief back then was that the devil was marking these people for identification. The mark was interesting. It was scratched on the Well, they said it was scratched on the victim with a talon. Uh, they said that because the marks were usually just a straight scar and typically kind of in an odd spot, somewhere typically, uh, you know, you wouldn't see it. In other words, it was imprinted on the most secret parts of the body near the genitalia or whatever. But his point about all of that in these hundreds of uh, witness testimonies was that in ancient times, um, this was widespread. It was considered the devil's mark. And yet he said that, you know, um, we're since we're not in uh, in antiquity now. In modern times, these marks would be seen as UFO abductions. They'd be seen as the marks of uh, the alien graves, if you will, the cuts on the back of the leg, the purplish circular spots, the bruises, uh, circles of warts and spots surrounding the abdomen and the the genitals, facial holes, uh, na nasal cavity holes, all of those that we see now in alien abduction are exactly the same thing that was re being reported in antiquity as the devil's mark, meaning that these people, this was malevolent. This was not something they invited. It was not something they wanted, and it included the harvesting of human DNA. And, and yet these are the same mark, these were the same kind of marks today. These are the same kind of marks today that would have been identified as the devil's mark in antiquity. There's another extraordinary thing uh, that Gregory Little pointed out in his research, and, and you'll love this, Steve, from the Book of Enoch, and how angels there, you know, guard the gates of heaven and hell. Yes. But 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 um, he he did something here that's extraordinary, in which he says that the guardians of Hell Hell um, were described as angels. Quote. Let me give you this quote. Gray of color, small as children, with a shape that is somewhat similar to the human form, end quote. And, and little observed that that description of these so-called angels that were guarding the gates, gates, gates of hell is not present in the Slavic edition of the Book of Enoch, which is the one most commonly used, the one most of us use, but it is present in the Hebrew version. And he noted that these little gray beings, these guardians of the gates of hell, in this, in this Hebrew version of Enoch, would today be identical with alien grays, alien visitors. Now, 
Um, there, there's one last comparison, though, because uh, I'm looking at the clock. We've got 20 minutes. Steve, you and I have to do a part two to this sometime. We will. We'll do a part two, Tom, uh, next week. All right. At uh, your convenience, okay? All right. This is great because we've just gotten started, and, and we're making a good case here. My it, friend, I love it when you get into overdrive. You are in overdrive right now. <laughs> That's well, a compliment. Well, I appreciate that so much, especially coming from you, Steve. Um Oh, the point I was going to make, the, another equation before I, I, I should move on past this point, between aliens, UFOs, uh, and biblical demonism, and you're very familiar with this, is that the prophet Daniel said that when the Antichrist comes, he's going to be a worshiper of Baal, and Baal was the lord of the sky. Uh, as Beldamoth, he was the lord of the aerial regions. As Belzebub... He is the Lord of those that fly or that flit about in the atmosphere. Um, in the New Testament, Satan is referred to as the prince of the powers of the air. So there is this abundance of scriptures that could lead us to believe that the aerial phenomenon that we are interpreting today as UFO activity could actually be part of a last day's delusion and something specifically to trick humanity into accepting the arguments of these uh, persons out there, these church leaders right now that are saying these are our space brothers, into accepting what they're saying and the appearance of a high-tech antichrist, which is important to some of the other parts of, of research that I've been doing over the last few years concerning transhumanism, because transhumanists see that there is um, a technological savior coming, and he's coming down from above, a high-tech god. I read one of the most extraordinary articles. I mean, you know, think think about this. These are people who believe that uh, there is going to be a point of singularity where human intelligence is overtaking, overtaken by machine intelligence. Well, I, I believe that there's an awful lot of singularity that's true. I mean, I believe it's coming, Steve. I believe it's going to be here before we're even ready for it. And And it is here in the context of... The hybrids, and I believe that they are here. They do walk among us. Uh, when I'm told that by different uh, generals and admirals and different uh, military services who are active duty, and they say that, one of the problems, Tom, is is that we've been uh, so uh, conditioned through science fiction movies, that, and that was the way at the beginning of the whole Roswell forward to try and put this stuff out of the reach of could this possibly be real. Now we're in the realm of um, being told, and I'm being told, and people laugh, they mock, blah, blah, blah. But what you and I are talking about is a grand deception, and it just echoes the words of Jesus when he said, if the days weren't shortened, there'd be no flesh left alive. I can say this, no seed of Adam and Eve left alive. No, that's right. Look, wasn't, it, was, it, was, it was the Washington Times or the New York Times this last week that run that article by uh, uh, Venter Verge, you know, the guy who started this whole conversation about the technological singularity, and he's talking about how that in the next couple of decades, we are going to be forced to merge ourselves with artificial intelligence machines, or they will overtake us as our overlords, and we'll be forced to serve them, and they may even decide they don't need us, and they'll get rid of us. Right, and how about the guys that have built robots that or uh, artificial intelligence uh, machines that they can feed organic matter to to power them? That's right, that's, boy, now you're on there, see, because... Because I wanted to tell you about this article. It's in the Wall Street Journal. It was a speculation about new superintelligence organisms. If you will, crossbred from man and machine. Um, and how that 
this is going to be one of the uh, one of the monumental developments that Singularity is going to bring about. That, uh, so, so the people can look this article up for themselves. Uh, the, this was in the Wall Street Journal. It was written by uh, the writer's name was Lee Gomes, G-O-M-E-S, and the name of the article was "The Singular Question of Human versus Machine Has a Spiritual Side." Yes. And the extraordinary thing about this article being written by a transhumanist, not not written by somebody who's saying this is a bad thing. He was talking about advances in artificial intelligence and the goal of doing what you're talking about, merging human and machine intelligence. But he go, he uses language like this, Steve, creating a new godlike creation. And and he and he started talking about in this article um, how the anticipated singularity also involves this supplemented, and now this is very important to what we've been talking about, about aliens and, and disclosure. He said it involves a supplemented spiritual yearning for some form of eternal life for humans and also the creation or the acceptance of an all-powerful being, but one articulated by way of technical, secular discourse. In other words... In other words, singular transhumanists, people who subscribe to this um, post-human future, are looking for salvation themselves, but not from the God of the Bible. That's way too outdated. They're looking for something that will come to them in some uh, high-tech form. He 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 talked about um, um, the desire for a messianic figure from space. Um, and uh, boy, I'm, I'm struggling here to remember some of the stuff he said, but it all indicated that there is this need for spiritual enlightenment through advanced technology, and how that this was this was a running theme among the singularity set or the transhumanist sect. So, in other words, let me get back on track. The point is, we have this growing interest right now among philosophers, scientists, and evidently leaders of the church to make contact with extraterrestrial unknowns. And part of this passion is a spiritual hunger for a galactic messiah who is going to require us to rethink our idea about how we gain salvation. In other words, Jesus ain't going to work for this new coming world order that Malachi Martin was so concerned about and, and, and from so many different quarters right now, religious, technological, and otherwise, uh, Steve, we're getting a sense that we're dealing with something now. It's highly supernatural. It's highly spiritual, if you will. Even the secular researchers, uh, j- uh, I-, I would challenge anybody, go read the secular researchers. Read Dr. John Mack talking about these aliens that seem to come to us from the sky in their stain- strange spacecraft, but how they seem to partake of properties belonging to the spirit and material worlds. Those are his words. And he talked about how they seem to be able to come to these abductees as as intermediaries either from God or the devil, but from a non-embodied source. What an extraordinary thing for a, for a secular psychologist uh, to say. Well, can I say this too? It's it's basically Ray Kurzweil's The Age of Spiritual Machines, okay? And you know what the, the, the bottom line is? It goes right, I love Genesis. You know I'm in love with the book of Genesis because I'm in love with the God who wrote it. But the bottom line is, is that the, that the whole thing is longevity, eternal life, apart from the kingdom of God. 
ye shall be as gods, and ye, sh- ye won't die. Isn't that really the bottom line when you cut through everything? That is exactly right. It's all. It was Luciferian from the beginning, and it's Luciferian now. And because you, you know, you mentioned the, you mentioned the Book of Genesis. This this whole thing. Another secular researcher, Jacques Vallée, and his discussion of vital energy, uh, which he suggested was being used by these ultra-terrestrials to form dimensional gateways. And for people who don't know what he meant by that, he was just simply talking about <clears throat> the harvesting of human DNA. Uh, and that whether by manipulating animal plant or uh, atmospheric molecular energy also talked about, that it, that he saw this parallel, this interesting question that paralleled the biblical story of Genesis, where people like you and me see these super intelligent angels known as watchers who descended to the earth and they used antediluvian cell matter, including women, animals, and plants, to construct for themselves these portals. That's what Valley said, portals through which they were extending themselves in our material world. It's so extraordinary to me that all of us are looking at the same phenomenon, but the Bible gives us the correct answers on this. I mean, you note this implication um, behind this activity in Genesis. The B'nai Elohim saw the daughters of Adam that they were fit extensions. Genesis 6-2, the interlinear Hebrew Bible um, Fit extensions is certainly, in my mind, understood to mean a portal, a stargate, a pathway. The use of molecular energy to form a a navigational dimensional pathway through which they could leave their realm of existence and enter ours. And furthermore, now, Steve, we have these, uh, for these, for the, for the singularitas, we have these current advances in modern science. That uh, you know the, the whole CERN Stargate thing is getting ready to start up. And we what's also your take, are the Tom? DS. What's your take on that? Because again, uh, my my position, I don't think it's uh, different than yours in this. But it, based on what I've been told, and I've shared this with even the coast to coast audience as well as my listeners, is when you're having intense amounts of power to generate this, uh, th- that it takes to create, if you will, this vortex or this dimensional gate. I mean. There is, I can tell you this, from people I know in the past, there have been problems that have been introduced into CERN to keep it from going into uh, full-scale power-up for the obvious reason. When people in the military, and I know you have your contacts, I have mine, they're unknown to me, mine are unknown to you, but the bottom line is is that they're talking about the quintessential gate, and when you take the literal perimeter of the CERN collider, we're talking about what one general said, one hell of a gate, okay? Yeah. Now, is it your contention, and, and we're going to do this, you know, the next time we have a, a couple hours next week at convenience for pre-recorded, but the point is, is that where, where in your opinion, uh, does CERN fit into it at this time with all of the, um, let's say, hoopla, uh, information, disinformation concerning it? But, I mean, there are a lot of people, smart people, that no, this has got a, quote, spiritual implication. You're talking about the matter, the stuff of life, the stuff of creation. Well, look, I believe, and I know we're going to run out of time here in a couple of minutes, but I believe that, in fact... We've got nine minutes, by the way. Okay, nine minutes. I believe that, in fact, science... But in nine minutes, we can't talk about CERN, so we're going to have to discuss it next time. But let me just quickly kind of abbreviate an answer to this question. I believe that, in fact, science is poised to either open uh, or begin taking the first steps toward opening. 
our world to other dimensional knowledge. And that could include contact with other dimensional intelligence. Now, I think this will happen on different levels, but on the one hand, you do have these scientists here in Europe. They're at the forefront of the world's you know, largest science experiment, scheduled to begin in a couple of weeks, actually, uh, or less than that. Yeah, I think it's about a week, barring the... Uh, the adjudication in the courts are right. Lawsuits. Yeah. Well, okay. So at this, you know, this ten billion dollar large hadron collider, um, and they intend to recreate what had happened uh, in their mind in the split second after the Big Bang. We're talking mind-bending science here, and and some people predict that it's you know it's going to. Well, everybody I think is saying that it's going to shatter our existing theories. Of physics. Imagine that everything in his lifetime that Albert Einstein did for us in our knowledge of physics, this thing is going to do in a few minutes, especially with its connection to the supercomputers that we have now that are going to be interpreting that data. And so we are we are on the good side, on the science side, on the non-theological side. We are prompting the discovery of new particles. Um, the existence of the theoretical Higgs boson, the God particle, which is which is theorized, you know, to give mass to everything in the universe, even though it's never been discovered. That's it's never been observed, at least. That's why it's called the God particle. But even more exciting, or interesting, or spooky, this CERN collider is is pretending to prove the existence of unknown dimensions. Steve. Yes. And in doing so, they say it's going to radically alter our understanding of the universe. Make no mistake about it, these scientists are looking for something specific that has to do with other dimensional reality. This could be the, the, the first baby step toward the discovery of the kind of dimensional reality that until now has only been speculated about. And those who may be there... Um, it, you know, we've it's been written about in fiction. It's been fictionalized in our sci-fi movies, but most of those movies are based on assumptions out of science that have a very strange, weird way of becoming reality. If you know what I mean. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, you used it in the Aramon Gate. You used it in your current book. I'm using it, and I I put in, as you know, uh, I, I wrote a script for Hollywood on. Uh, the Giants, Genesis 6, and the whole idea of the ability to project themselves into our, meaning they, the fallen angels, the ones that have been bound. Interesting, I was told by a high-ranking military official that, Steve, human beings, because of the original authority that God gave them on earth, are the ones who are actively releasing that very entities that will ultimately consume them. And when he said consume them, I said, like, munch and crunch them for lunch. He said, absolutely. See, I, I think that when Joshua and Caleb went in the Promised Land, the Bible records that the land devoured its inhabitants. And would it have not been for God's mercy in love for his creation in binding these things and having his servants who walked in faith do it, the point is now, Tom, everything that's that's been, if you will, hidden is going to be made manifest. And people's entire way of looking at everything, even even the visible realm that we see in is going to be altered because we're getting hit with different forms of electromagnetic energy than we've ever had before. This is going to be basically science fiction in the raw, on steroids, 
and the very brain cells that we've been given and the way we've been trained to think are going to be blasted. We're going to be master blasted right out of our paradigms. Well, think about that. And by the way, uh, for the people listening to this show or if they're listening to it on uh, on an MP3 download or something later on, this isn't just Tom Horn and Steve Quayle hypothecating about what this would mean. They're a nuclear physicist, and they've, they've filed a lawsuit trying to stop this from occurring. Um, and, and they're warning that, well, this thing could literally unleash world-gobbling black holes or some other type of uh, energy, if you will, that could finish us all off in a few seconds. And we know that's not going to happen, but the uh, the uh, entities, the non-human the, intelligence, they're going to basically have a slip slide right into our very laps. And I think it's going to be, uh, how should I say this, so startling, Tom, that the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits as a promise in Daniel. But I think when we deal with this stuff next week, uh, we'll just go into much, much detail. I want to thank you. I'm sorry that it was... Just so tired after doing last night. I got to bed at 4.30 this morning, then had to wake up at about 6.30 to post some of the stories or get them to my webmaster, Holly Dale, so I'm just shot. But next week, at your convenience, we'll talk, and we'll come on, and we'll pre-record a two-hour. Hey, hour. Steve, if we can, let's just pick it up right there. We have a lot of territory we can cover. Okie doke. All right, Steve. I love you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, I consider this probably one of the most important shows I've ever done. I believe Tom was basically giving it to you like you need to hear it. You can either choose to accept or reject. Those of you that can't handle all this stuff and call yourselves Christians, please take to the living God, to the Lord Jesus in prayer, because, again, you will either basically be delivered through the power of God by the knowledge he's given you and your faith in the blood of Jesus and overcoming the powers of darkness, or you will succumb. The, the, basically, the choice is yours. Choose ye this day who you're going to follow. And that, uh, basically, would be my vote for the Lord Jesus Christ. Good night, everybody.